You're listening to episode 45 of the Becoming Aligned podcast. Welcome to Becoming Aligned, where we'll step away from the busyness of our days to explore what it looks and feels like to create meaningful lives that align with our personal values. My guests have found their own unique way to navigate through the distractions, the pressures, and the expectations of everyday life. And in the process, they have discovered the freedom to be truly themselves, to tune into their own heart, and to honor their own unique voice. I'll explore what motivates them, what challenges them, and what strategies help them work towards their goal in a way that nourishes their mind and body. I believe everyone has a story to share, and that we become a stronger community when we're able to listen and learn from those around us. I'm your host, Maureen Ryan, the founder of Ryan Wellness, I'm a Chicago-based self-discovery mentor and Pilates instructor. I hope these conversations will serve as inspiration and as a reminder that it's not about perfection, but the process of becoming aligned. Hi, everyone. Happy New Year. I hope you are doing well and that you are staying safe and healthy. I wanted to pop in today for a short solo episode. I actually had something else planned for my first episode back, but I felt called to share some of the things that I have been processing and reflecting on through these first couple weeks of 2021. I thought it would be helpful to talk about here because I really want to encourage and invite you to create space for your own feelings and for your own reflections to come to the surface. So I know that you may not agree or be able to relate to everything I say today, But this has been my experience, and I I want to encourage you to be curious about your own experiences and maybe your reactions to what I share. 2021 has really taken me through a range of emotions. Like, I thought 2020 did that, but 2021 stepped it up and met met 2020 within those first few weeks, you know, and I'm, I'm sure everyone can relate to that in their own way. And to be honest, I'm not quite sure if I can put my emotions into words quite yet. There was a mix of fear, anxiety, rage, disappointment, anger, deep sadness, pride, hope, relief, concern, and more deep sadness for the loss of life that continues to be brought on by this pandemic and how it affects everyone whether they are dealing with COVID or another health issue. You know, I'm not much of a crier. I don't cry often. Although if you have ever watched a movie or a sappy commercial with me in the past, you may be surprised to hear me say that because there have been a number of movies that have left me sobbing, red eyes, sniffling nose, having to resort to using my sleeve as a Kleenex, just a mess to the point where I need to take a moment to compose myself before I get up and and leave the safety and the comfort of the dark theater and enter back into the real world in those bright fluorescent lights. But I almost need to watch something touching to give those tears an outlet. I am quick to tear up at commercials and at movies, but not on my own accord. And I haven't watched this movie in a long, long time. But back in the day, I watched the movie Golden Pond. (laughs) Yeah, Golden Pond multiple times by myself (laughs) because it gave me an outlet to release my tears. 
You know, it's one that I watched by myself because that movie brought out my ugly, ugly cry. (laughs) But it would feel so cathartic to let those feelings out, to provide an outlet and a release. I keep thinking I need to watch it to give myself an outlet or to give myself that outlet, to allow myself that space. And there are other shows like Grey's Anatomy and This Is Us that have the same effect on me. And I honestly haven't let myself watch those either. I haven't really wanted to watch anything that made me sad because real life is enough to handle right now in and of itself. But I found myself thinking about this because this past week I have found tears leaking out of my eyes in happy moments, in sad moments, in touching moments, and in funny moments. Tears just kept like seeping out of me, like pouring out of the corners of my eyes. And it made me realize that I had been holding so much in. And for the first time in a long time, I felt like I didn't have to be so on guard. I felt like I had been on alert at all times, ready to respond and fight against the different threats to the safety of my fellow human beings. You know, I am far from an activist in the traditional sense, so I can only imagine how someone like that would feel right now. Someone who has been on the ground doing the work, organizing day in, day out, or someone who is an essential worker and taking care of the health and the well-being of others, dealing with the threat of the coronavirus daily, or parents who are working and educating their children through these challenging times. You know, I am very fortunate in many ways. As a white woman who knows I have a support system in place and the security of a comfortable home that I'm able to work from, I recognize that I'm privileged. I don't normally feel my safety is under threat. And while I'm someone who is very aware of my surroundings, especially as a woman living alone in the city, I don't normally feel that I need to be on alert at all times. There are absolutely precautions and routines and habits that I have to minimize my risk against things and people who might threaten my safety and well-being, but I don't normally feel that constant level of stress. This pandemic has given me a small glimpse into what it might feel like to know that your safety, your health, your well-being, your livelihood, you know, your life is under threat and that your voice, your needs are not taking are not being taken seriously by those in leadership positions. I think of certain communities and the chronic stress that they might feel at all times. And it's it's a lot to take in. There is an interesting term called weathering. It's a term that was coined by Arlene Geronimus, and I hope I said her name correctly. She's a professor of health behavior and health education at the University of Michigan School of Public Health. She presented this concept in a study, and there's further research out there that explores the detrimental health effects and chronic illnesses that are exacerbated by the chronic stress caused by racism and social and economic adversity. I'll include a link to two articles about this in the show notes. And I think it's a really interesting um, thing to be aware of. You know, I always say that our feelings provide us with information. 
and upon further reflection, my tears made me realize a few things. Even though I have been able to take time to care for myself throughout this pandemic, it will take time to process the enormity of what we've been experiencing individually and collectively. This will take time and everyone will process it differently in, in, and in their own way. It made me think about and reflect on what it will take to heal and how we can try to practice this within our own lives, which I think is always, always the starting point. And it made me more deeply reflect on how this pandemic caused by the COVID-19 virus brought to light the pandemic of racial, economic, and environmental injustice. I think it opened the eyes of many who may not have been able to see this clearly before. You know, like the coronavirus, some of us have acknowledged it and taken steps and measures to learn more so that we can find ways to address the problem and injustices. And some of us have been indifferent, dismissive, and have been either led to believe or believe that it's not a real problem. While there are all sorts of variations here for many different reasons, one thing that I know to be true is that you can't fix a problem. You can't heal pain unless you allow yourself to see it and you allow yourself to acknowledge that there is a problem to begin with, that you become aware of the pain points. When we choose to ignore or dismiss our pain points, they become bigger problems, individually and collectively. And we all know this to a certain degree because we've experienced this in our own lives. There have been difficult conversations that we've avoided, aches and pains that we've tried to ignore. You know, I can remember back to my competitive running days. I would notice a pain in my leg, but I was afraid to address it because I was worried that it would affect my plans and my goals. So I would put my blinders on and push through and do my best to ignore the pain until it came to the point that I just couldn't ignore it anymore. It was almost a form of magical thinking where I believed that if I could ignore my pain, if I could ignore my feelings, if I just didn't talk about it, the problem would go away. But it doesn't, and it never does. It's not necessarily enjoyable to address a problem or a pain point, you know, I get it. It requires vulnerability, work, resources, patience, and discipline. And it may shift, you know, your immediate attention away from your short-term goals. But on the flip side, it's also not enjoyable to ignore a problem or to ignore a pain point because that prevents you from achieving your long-term goals and it creates a level of stress that builds up within our body, sometimes individually and sometimes collectively. When the people in leadership positions embrace this form of magical thinking and choose to ignore problems that affect their community, or try to present an image where everything is better than it actually is. It creates stress for those who can see the problem 
and for those who are impacted by the problem and pain point. For those who can clearly see that COVID-19 and other racial, social, and environmental injustices pose a threat to our safety and community well-being, this has been a very stressful year. And while we have control over our choices to a certain degree, we don't exist in silos. We exist in community. We are all connected. Our choices affect one another. And as I reflect on those tears that have been welling up for me, I realize that for the first time in a very long time, or what feels like a very long time, I felt safe enough to allow myself to acknowledge and to feel some of the hurt and some of the pain that we have seen this past year. So I want to continue to allow space for my tears. I want to allow space for the full range of my feelings because that helps to connect me to my own sense of humanity. And when I create space for my own healing, I can play a role in not repeating cycles and behaviors that have existed for generations. In some ways, in many ways, modern life is not structured to allow us time to acknowledge, process, and feel our feelings. It's not structured for healing. There's another meeting, another crisis that needs to be addressed, another deadline, another news alert, another social media post that has everyone in a tailspin. It requires that we become really intentional about carving out time to check in with ourselves and acknowledge our feelings, name our feelings, feel our feelings, and use our feelings as information to help us better understand our values and our needs. Our feelings are rich with information. When we allow ourselves to be with our feelings and be curious about the root of our feelings, we are better equipped to care for our needs and for the needs of others. We're better equipped to heal, adapt, evolve, and to grow. When we bottle up our feelings, we can become rigid, reactive. I created the Becoming Aligned online course because I believe that when we're able to listen, and acknowledge our own feelings and our own humanity. We're able to acknowledge and honor the humanity that exists within others. But this is not exactly something we're taught or modeled to do. It requires intention. It requires time and patience. And there's so much talk about healing right now. A call for unity in the US, which is needed, which has been needed for centuries in this country, and in many other countries as well. But healing requires that we acknowledge the hurt, the pain caused. Healing requires an ability to deeply, empathically listen. It requires an ability to be, an ability to be present and acknowledge one another's humanity. In many ways, I believe it, be, it requires that we foster an environment that can allow for healing. Like healing is a loaded word right now. And while I can appreciate the sentiment and understand the purpose it serves, it's gonna require a lot of work. And I'm not sure if we're quite there yet, but I believe we can get there. But it's not as simple as making two kids who were just in a fight on the playground shake hands and say they're sorry. 
Sure, they might behave while you're watching them, but the problems still exist. And as soon as they move on to the next class or to the end of the school day, the problem will likely flare up again. You know, it makes me think back to my days as a junior high teacher. I actually worked with a high school, you know, that my school fed into to model their peer mediation program and implement it at the junior high level. And it was amazing. It was a really, really cool experience. So if a student was having a problem with another student, they could request peer mediation. And we would bring the two students together that were having the problem, and then two peer mediators would help them work through the situation, you know, and the problem they were having with a an adult supervisor who was kind of off like working at their computer and just kind of letting them work it out on their own, but you know, was there if, if needed. I know to a certain degree, people might have thought this was corny. Like I'm sure some of the students at the school thought it was a corny thing and maybe some of the teachers did too. <laughs> but if you had a chance to see these students sitting down and working their problems out in person with the help of these two peer mediators, it was one of the coolest things, and it honestly makes me a bit emotional <laughs> because it gives me hope, <laughs> you know, and it just reminds me of our ability to do, you know, to do challenging things, and as Glennon Doyle always says, to do hard things. You know, it created space. It created an environment for people to share their experience and their side of the story. It created an environment to be heard. It created an opportunity to figure out how you would interact with each other moving forward. You didn't have to leave being best friends. Like that wasn't the goal here. But you had to find, figure out how you could respect each other and honor each other's boundaries. It was one of the most beautiful things to see these young peer mediators in action. We would do a day-long training with the high school students and their counselor. And we would meet regularly after school to talk about, you know, talk about things and to continue practicing and learning um, ways to be a good mediator. And it took a few years to really get this up and running, but it was something that I was so proud of, you know, so proud to be a part of. I remember one student who applied to be a peer mediator as a seventh grader. And her teachers were really concerned because she had been involved in a lot of drama the year before. So they weren't sure if she would be the best fit. And they, you know, expressed some concerns about that. But she was like, Miss Ryan, I really want to do this. I really want to be a part of this because I know what it's like and I know I can help. And she did such an amazing job. You know, these kids would skip their lunches or bring their lunches to an open room to help other kids work out their problems. And while we have huge problems on our hands right now in our country and in the world, it makes me think of the value of starting small, you know, these, these little moments among small groups of people and even within ourselves, you know, because that's where I think really true change happens. Like we need to have systemic big change, but we also need to have these small things that are happening within ourselves and within our communities. In my opinion, one of the most important aspects of my job as a teacher or like as a leader of a classroom was to create an environment where my students felt safe, where, my, where they felt seen and where they felt heard, where they could feel a sense of belonging and where they knew that like things would be handled fairly and consistently. And, you know, even when we didn't agree, we would figure it out. 
and we would sit down and work through it. And that required setting some basic guidelines and making sure those guidelines were clearly understood and practicing and reinforcing those regularly, which can be exhausting at times, um, but is necessary. And I didn't always get it right, I'm sure of that, but I tried. And I believe it's something we can all work to foster within our families, within our communities, within our schools, country, and world. And I know that might sound like idealistic to some, but I don't see how it's possible to work towards healing unless we begin to foster and create environments where people feel safe, where people feel seen, and where people are willing to meet in the middle. And you know, many of us understand this because we've experienced it on a personal level, like in small and in big ways. We've been hurt before, we've hurt others. Sometimes we're able to meet each other and open ourselves up to have difficult conversations. Conversations that might not lead to healing right away, but that open the door and create an opportunity for building a sense of understanding and developing respect and trust for one another. And if we're able to keep showing up for each other in this way, it can lead to a sense of healing. But maybe you've also experienced, as I have, relationships in which one person is not willing to meet you in the middle, not willing to have those difficult conversations, not willing to open up the lines of communication. While that's unfortunate and can lead to deep feelings of loss and grief, It doesn't have to stand in the way of your healing process. You can still create space for your own healing. You can connect with others and be in community with others that will support your own healing. And in doing so, you're supporting their own, their healing as well. You know, we all make our own choices on our own timeframes. And I am responsible for my choices as you are for yours. But I do want to invite you to join me as we move into 2021 to be intentional and focused on creating space, on creating an environment for your own healing, learning, and unlearning. To create time and space for actions that align with your values and that will make the country and the world a more loving place. This is not an all or nothing endeavor. I'm not asking you to focus on your own healing 24 seven. I'm inviting you to create some space for your own healing, to incorporate it into your life on a regular basis. And to be clear, healing doesn't have to be serious, sad business. It can actually be quite joyful. Laughter, play, rest, creativity, movement, time and community can be so healing because it connects us to our own humanity in such a deep, authentic way. It's actually a part of what I call restorative care. And it's something I talk about in my course, but I plan to share more about this in upcoming podcast episodes and newsletters. But how do we make time for this and make it a reality? Maybe you can start by clearing some space and making your own care a priority. These past few weeks, I've been doing a bit of a digital detox, which has felt so good. And I've been really evaluating how I want to consume social media and sending some guidelines and limits for myself, because <laughs> there's no way in denying that that is social media is built to be addictive and our willpower is not enough <laughs> to kind of fight against that. 
And so I've taken certain apps off my phone. And maybe that's something you might consider as well. Or maybe you can take some time to step away from the reactive nature of the news cycle and consider how you want to consume news moving forward. Turning off the notifications on your phone might be a great place to start. By clearing some space and stepping away from reacting to the opinions of others, you may find that you have more time and space to explore and become curious about issues that you deeply care about and that feel aligned to your values. I want to encourage you to explore, but then simplify. There's so much out there. So start small. It's like starting a new workout program. If you try to do too much too soon, you'll get burned out and quit. I want to encourage you and me to play the long game. That's what I plan to do. So please take some time to consider what issues will feel healing and restorative to you. Allow your sense of curiosity to guide you. Allow your feelings to guide you. What made you angry? What made you feel optimistic and hopeful? What made you feel frustrated? Dig down and see if you can better understand the root of those feelings. Are there books to read, documentaries to watch, or organizations to explore that are working in the areas that feel aligned to your values? I'm currently exploring this for myself, and I'll share one thing that I'm interested in learning more about. It's something I learned about watching a show called Patriot Act, where Hassan Minaj did an episode about rank choice voting. I had never heard of it before watching that episode, but it sparked my curiosity. So I'm currently looking into it more. And I think it might be a really interesting way to move us away from an all or nothing mindset that currently dominates the political system in the US. You know, I believe we have more in common than we realize, which is honestly why I started this podcast to begin with. I wanted to highlight the stories of regular people who are striving to become the best version of themselves and to make a difference in their own unique ways, who are working to create lives that were aligned to their values, who are working through challenges just like we all do. I wanted to highlight the stories of a diverse group of people, many of them my friends, who are creating lives that were meaningful and purposeful. I started this podcast because I was frustrated with the attention and focus that was given to celebrity or these talking heads who have an interest in dividing people. And that interest is usually based in their own financial gain and in stoking their own ego and their own popularity. That interest is not, or does not, at least to me, seem rooted in love and kindness. And that's what I want this podcast to be rooted in. I don't have the answers. But I hope I can help by asking questions that will lead you to reflect or think about things in a new way. And I want this to be a reminder that we all have different strengths and ways that we can make a difference. There's this amazing story about a woman named Georgia Gilmore. And I only learned of her recently, but I will link to some articles about her in the show notes. She was a cook whose efforts basically helped feed and finance the Montgomery bus boycott that lasted 381 days. People still had to get to work. If those buses weren't running, how were they getting there? 
thanks to her and the women who worked with her, they were able to sell food and bake goods that helped support a carpool system that allowed people to get to their jobs. It's an amazing story that I hope gets more attention because I think those are the types of stories that we all need to know about. It highlights that change doesn't happen because of one person. One person often becomes a focal point, but it's always more nuanced than that. There are a lot of people working behind the scenes in very important ways, and that can be in small ways and in big ways. And I think that's it's important to remember because we can all be the change we want to see. And we can do so in ways that align with who we are as a person. And I think that's something worth sitting with. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to me today. I would love to hear from you and to learn more about the ways that you're creating space and creating an environment for healing in your own life, ways that you're making it a priority. And if you're struggling to do so or feel overwhelmed by the idea of it, I would love to encourage you to check out the Becoming Aligned online course. I consider it an online sanctuary space to cultivate healing, growth, and connection. I'm also really excited to be offering the Becoming Aligned program that integrates the private, private mentorship and the course to give you that personalized support. If you're interested in learning more, check out my website at maureenryan.co, and I would love to invite you to subscribe to the Becoming Aligned newsletter, where I share more thoughts and reflections on Becoming Aligned, along with some inspiration, restorative care ideas, and an invitation to journal. Thank you so much for listening to me today. I am sending you so much love, and I'll be back in two weeks with an interview with a lovely guest. Until then, take care. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Becoming Aligned. If you haven't already, please subscribe to Becoming Aligned and rate and review this podcast. I'm Maureen Ryan, and I hope you'll join us next time. Take care.